You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It is Thursday. Welcome to the How to Win podcast. You can watch us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. And remember, in January, we're going to be transitioning fully over into Mike Moore Ministries. I'm so glad to have you with us today. We are discussing a series that I believe is the most outstanding revelation that God has given me in my 41 years of pastoring, above 41 years of pastoring on the area of financial prosperity. And that is God is the God of abundance. And that's what we are talking about, the God of abundance. This is our fifth lesson and our theme is developing an abundance mentality. I hope that's happening to you. If you've been following us, and if not, you can go back and listen to the previous lessons. Uh, an abundance mentality. We want you, when this is all done, this, fin- this, this series is completed, that when you think about God and when you face life, you don't have a scarcity mentality or lack mentality. You have an abundance mentality because you know God is a God of abundance. In lesson one, we answered the question, what is the abundant life? In lesson two and three, we discovered that God's nature is abundance. And then in lesson four, we began a two-part section on two qualifying issues two qualifying issues, stewardship and purpose. If we're going to walk in the abundant life and it's already been paid for by Jesus, then we have to have a revelation of stewardship and purpose. Now, in lesson four, we talked about stewardship and our subtopic was God wants good stewards to have more. In this fifth lesson, we're going to look at the second part, the two qualifying issues. We're going to talk about purpose today. And our subtopic, our subtopic is understanding the purpose for the excess. God wants you to have excess, but what is the purpose of the excess? Now, let's define our terms. What is purpose? Purpose is the reason for which something is done. Secondly, purpose is the reason someone or something is created. And then thirdly, purpose is the reason something has been given. God wants you to experience abundance. But what is his purpose for the excess? Now, understanding the purpose of the excess is critical. 
And why is that so? When we have a full understanding of the purpose of the abundance, we will believe for it with the right motive. First, are you believing for abundance? Or are you just believing for just enough? God, I don't want much in life. I want just enough. No, when we understand the purpose for the abundance, we will believe for it with the right motive because you can believe for it with the wrong motive. The Bible says in James 4, verse 3, it says you ask and you receive not because you're asking amiss. You're missing it and you're asking because you're asking to consume it on your lust. It's all about you. The abundance is all about you. And he says that you're asking for it for the wrong motives. So if you're a pastor, why do you want more? Why do you want more members? Why do you want more finances? Why do you want tithes and offerings to go up? Why do you want increase? Why do you want more? Why? That's so very, very important. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And I've said this in our series on Tuesday, God wants you to be rich. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 is the Bible definition of what it means to be rich. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Now, that's for us. Come on, said that's for us. God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always having all sufficiency in all things. That's for you. That's for us. But we can't stop there. The abundant life is not just because God wants us to be blessed. That's part of it. And we talked about it in, in previous lessons but let's continue the verse. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have an all sufficiency in all things. That's us. But we can't stop there. May have an abundance. Listen at what the rest of this, the verse says. May have an abundance for every good work. And that's for God and others. That's for God that you and I may have an abundance for every good work. Someone said, oh, that's not necessary. When I hear people say that, oh, that's not necessary. I don't need all that. I don't want all that. Then I know your mind has not been renewed. I know you don't know it. You don't even realize it, but you have a carnal mind. When you say all oh, that abundance teaching, all that stuff, that, 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 that's not necessary. I don't need all that stuff. Now, I know you may be saved, love Jesus, going to heaven when you die, but you have a carnal mindset. You have a mindset that's not renewed. When you say, oh, that's not necessary, I don't need all that, I know that you're not thinking about others. You're not thinking about God's work in the earth. You're thinking about yourself. Now, God, here's a revelation. God is not wasteful. 
Wow. I said, God is not wasteful. He's extravagant, but he's not wasteful. Have you ever heard of the feeding of the 5,000? I'm quite sure if you've been in church at any time, you've heard Jesus took a little boy's lunch, five loaves, two little fish, and, and, and he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. I bet you've heard that. I heard, I bet you've heard the, 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 the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. I bet you've heard that. But have you ever heard any teaching about the 12 baskets that they had left over? That's what I want to center in on. In John chapter 6, verse 11 through verse 13 in the New King James Version, it says, And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise, he took the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather the fragments that remain so nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Now, Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children with a little boy's lunch, five loaves, two little fish. Wow, that was a miracle but we don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the 12 baskets that he had left over. God is not wasteful. He's extravagant, but he's not wasteful. Let's define our terms. The word wasteful means to use to no purpose. It means to not use at all. You can be given something and not use what you have been given, and that's being wasteful, not putting it to good use. Or you can be wasteful by using something apart from its purpose. If you're using something apart from its purpose, again, you are being wasteful. Now, the word extravagant means exceeding the limits of necessity, giving more than what is needed. And that's God. That's his nature. He always gives us more than what we need. He always exceeds the limits of necessity. If your unrenewed mind doesn't get in the way, he will always give you more than what you need. But God had a purpose for the excess. The excess was 12 baskets over. And God had a purpose. Now, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us specifically what the 12 baskets left over was for. Some people said uh, Jesus gave it to the little boy and he had 12 baskets. We don't know for sure. But the fact that Jesus was intentional, very specific, 
gather up the fragments that nothing be lost. Notice he's not wasteful. So we can conclude that he had a purpose for the 12 baskets. If he didn't have a purpose for the 12 baskets, just uh, let it, let it spoil. Birds come down and eat it. Let's go home. No, he said, gather the fragments, let nothing be lost. And there were 12 baskets left over. So God had a purpose for the excess, the 12 baskets. The excess, I'm digging deep now. We're going deep in Revelation now. The excess, the 12 baskets that were left over were not for those who had eaten. They weren't for those who had eaten. The 12 baskets left over were not for the 5,000 men plus women and children. You say, how do you know it wasn't for them? Because verse 11, John 6 verse 11 said they ate as much as they wanted. Then verse 12 says they were full, they were filled. Jesus fed those people. They could come back. They could get more. They ate till they were satisfied. They were full. And he dismissed the crowd. So the 12 baskets left over were not for those who had eaten. God's purpose for the excess. Now, I want you to follow me. God's purpose for the excess would not have been fulfilled, would not have been carried out if Jesus had only believed for enough. Oh, that's powerful there. What if Jesus had said, listen, Father, I want you to give me enough to feed the 5,000 men plus women and children, and we want just enough, Father. We don't want, we don't need anything other than that. We just want enough to feed. Notice, Jesus kept passing out the food, and when he finished, there was more than enough. There was an excess. It was 12 baskets left over. If Jesus had a belief for just enough, like most Christians, they believe it for just enough. Lord, help me to pay my bills. God, help me to have money to give my, pay my child's tuition. They believe it for just enough then God's purpose for the excess would not have been fulfilled or carried out. Now watch this. If, ex if the excess, the 12 baskets left over, is not and was not for those, if the 12 baskets wasn't for them that had eaten, if the excess is not for us, now, follow me. If the 12 baskets left over was not for the 5,000 men plus women and children who had eaten, if the excess that God gives us is not for us, then it is both selfish and negligent on our part to not believe for the abundance, even though we don't need it or desire it. Now, I'm going to have to stop and I'm going to have to settle down. And I got to say that again. For, for all the just enough, I don't need all that. 
I just want my family to be blessed. I want to set, slow down. I want to say that to all of you because you need your mind renewed. You need your mind renewed. You that's saying it don't take all that. We don't need all that. I don't need all that. I don't desire all that. You need your mind renewed. Trust me, I'm coming at you straight. I'm not, I'm not circling the airport. I'm just landing because you need your mind renewed. Now, listen to me. If the excess is not for us, the excess, the 12 baskets over, were not for the people who had eaten because they were full. They had ate as much as they wanted, and God had dismissed them. So it's obvious that the 12 baskets left over was not for them. But God had a purpose for the 12 baskets, or it would have been ludicrous for him to ask them to gather the 12 baskets, that nothing be lost. So... If the excess is not for us, then it is selfish and even negligent on our part to not believe for abundance, even though we don't need it or desire it. You say, well, I don't need abundance. I don't desire abundance. Okay, that, okay that's great. That's great. You don't need it. But the excess is not for you. So it is selfish of you to not believe for the abundance. It is not only selfishness, it's negligent of you to not believe for the abundance because the excess is not for you. And even though you don't need it, even though you don't desire it, you should believe for it because God has a purpose for it and it's not for you. You can stay in your little small house. You can drive your little small car. You, you can eat your little meal. You can live your little life. If you're happy, that's fine. But the excess is not for you. It's not. You should believe for the abundance because the excess is not for you. I hope you're getting this. Now, here's something that the Spirit of God taught me years ago. And, and I want to enlarge you. If you're a leader of a ministry, if you're a pastor of a church, if, if you, you got a vision, I want to sh I want to share something with you. And I want to share something to you believers. Any Christian believer, a member of a church, you don't have to be a member of Faith Chapel, but you're a member of the body of Christ. You're a member of a church. Now, listen to me carefully. God's major purpose for the abundance the excess is economic evangelism. Come on, say it. Economic evangelism. Come on, say it. Economic evangelism. Now, you've heard of passing out tracts. We've heard of bus ministry in the past. We've heard of revival meetings to get people saved. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about economic evangelism. Now, watch this. What is economic evangelism? Economic evangelism is the utilization of financial resources for the deliverance of the impoverished and the transformation of communities, 
cities and nations should put communities in there. So what is economic evangelism? It is the utilization of financial resources. We're going to take financial resources and we're going to deliver, bring deliverance to the impoverished. That would include the homeless. It would include others that are needy. We're going to take financial resources and we're going to bring deliverance to the impoverished and we're going to transform communities, cities, and nations. Now watch this. God gave me a vision. I live in Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama, and there's a, a small community in Birmingham called Wylam. Wylam is where I was raised up. And when I was raised up, when I was a little kid, downtown Wylam, you know how communities have their downtown area. It was very uh, thriving. Stores, cleaners, grocery stores, barbershops, bank, hardware stores, uh, laundromats. It's just doctor's office. It was very thriving. It was a small area, but it was very thriving well, presently is dilapidated. It's dilapidated. It is in need of great repair. Buildings, there's very little activity. Buildings have been shut down, basically ruined, actually need just leveled and uh, rebuilt. Uh, it, it's just dilapidated. But God showed me something in what I call a night vision. I saw in a night vision that whole main street of Wildland renovated. There were new buildings. There were stores. It was, it was brand new. And God showed me that. That's what I mean by the transformation of a community. I also received in a night vision a, a I saw a community of homes for the homeless. It was a community. It was a community of nice houses for the homeless. That's what I mean by the transformation, the, the deliverance of the impoverished. Uh, in our Birmingham, in our Columbus, Georgia campus of Faith Chapel, we have Birmingham campus, and then we have the Wyland community is in our Birmingham, uh, near our Birmingham campus. But we're also ministering in our uh, Columbus, Georgia campus, Faith Chapel, Columbus, Georgia. We're ministering to a boy's home, and we're ministering to young boys. And there's so much that we've been able to do, but there's so much that we can do with that and other things in Columbus. That's what I mean by the transformation of communities, cities, and nations. Now, listen, Jesus tells a parable that we have entitled the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is what the parable says. Jesus says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and along the road, he was attacked by robbers. They stripped this man. They robbed him. They beat him. They took his clothing, his possessions. 
and they left him half dead. He's lying there half dead on the side of the road. Along this same road came a priest just left church. He looked over on the other side of the road, saw the man lying half dead, and he passed by on the other side. Then a Levite also left church, came down the same road, saw the man on the other side of the road, and then he passed by on the other side. And then a third man came down of that same road. He was a Samaritan. And the Bible says he looked when he got to where the, the, the man had been lying half dead. He looked at that man on the other side of the road. And the scripture says he had compassion. He went to the other side of the road where the man was. And he began to bind up the man's wounds. He poured wine and oil in as an antiseptic. Then he took the man that was half dead, lifted him up, and picked him, put him on his own animal. And then he walked this man and, and carried this man to an inn. He took the man off his animal, took him to the inn, carried him to the inn, paid for a room for the man, took him in the room, and he began to help this man the rest of the day. <clears throat> and then when the day had concluded, the next morning he went to the counter and said to the innkeeper, I have this man in this room and I'm taking care of him, but I have to go. I want to give you this money, and I want you to take care of him while I'm gone. And if you spend more than I'm giving you, when I come back, I'll pay for it. And Jesus said this man was a neighbor. Now, let's look at this story in the light of what I'm teaching about the purpose for their excess, their purpose for their abundance. We said that the major purpose for the abundance is economic evangelism. We said economic evangelism is the utilization of financial resources for the deliverance of the impoverished and the transformation of communities, cities, and nations. Then we told a story, a parable, and in that parable, let's look deeper, the priest and the Levite that saw the wounded man, the man lying half dead, had two major problems. I think they had a problem of mission distortion. And secondly, I think they had a problem of economic deprivation. They had two problems that many Christians have. They had two problems that, that many local churches have. Mission distortion is the belief that going to church is an end in itself. The priest and the Levite had gone to church. In their minds, they are good believers. In their mind, they have paid their dues because they went to church. But then they left church 
and passed by a man that was lying half dead and passed by on the other side because they had what I call mission distortion. You see, the purpose of going to church and uh, the, the God-given reason for church attendance is so that we would enjoy corporate worship, so that we would be instructed in the scriptures, and so that we would be equipped to serve our communities and our world. But they thought that going to church was an end in itself. That's what many Christians think. I've gone to church. I've worked in church. So my Christian responsibilities are ended. That's mission distortion. Because the church is designed for us to carry out the mission. And the mission is to reach the world. The mission is to transform our communities. The, com the mission is to take the gospel to those who need it. This man needed help. That's mission distortion. Many local churches think because we had good church, we had good church today, that's an end in itself. No, the mission of the local church is to transform the community. They also had a problem of what I call economic deprivation. Here's a colloquial expression for economic deprivation, and that is they were broke. They were financially strapped. They didn't have resources, financial resources. And many Christians have good hearts, but no money. Many churches have good hearts, but no money. And it's going to take money. You see, the man who had been robbed, the man who was beating, beaten, and the man who was left half dead represents impoverished and broken people, communities, cities, and nation. Now, I'll say that again. The man who had been half, had been left half dead represents impoverished and broken people, impoverished and broken communities, cities, and nation. The Good Samaritan, that's you, that's me, that's our local churches, hopefully. The Good Samaritan represents believers and churches who are in a financial position to make a positive difference in the world. I'll say that again. The Good Samaritan represents believers in churches who are in a financial position, not just a prayer position. I bless you. I pray for you to do well. No, I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about churches that are in a financial position to make a positive difference in the world. Now, listen, having financial power, having financial power, Power. Come on, think about that for a minute. 
having not just prayer power, not just attendance power, but having financial power, believers who have financial power, churches that have financial power to transform dilapidated communities into thriving communities is one of the most powerful ways to preach the gospel. I'll say that again. Having financial power, talking the believer, talking the local church, having financial power to transform dilapidated communities into thriving communities. Now, most cities nowadays, if you go to any state, any city, you're going to have areas of the city that's dilapidated, just have fallen apart, need repair, buildings need tore down, uh, all kinds, it's just, just impoverished. I mean, it, you just got to, but to change that dilapidated community into a thriving community is going to take not just a big church with a lot of members and not just people that say, bless you, we'll pray for you, is having financial power to buy land, to hire architects, to hire construction people, to build buildings, to set up buildings. It is going to take financial power. And when the church and believers have financial power to transform dilapidated communities into thriving communities, I am saying this is one of the most powerful ways to preach the gospel. It is the most powerful way to not just help people, but to get the attention of people is when we have financial power. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about economic evangelism. I've shown you from the scripture that God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to live a lavish lifestyle, but I didn't stop there. God wants us as believers and as local churches to have financial power. When you gotta, you gotta beg for people to give, to keep your lights on, that's not financial power. When you've got to be out in the streets with buckets asking people to give to your church, that's not financial power. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I'm just trying to elevate our thinking so when we say all that's not necessary, we'll understand that we're being selfish and negligent because we don't understand the purpose for the excess. Now, listen, I'm out of time, but I trust that your mind is being renewed and you are developing an abundance mentality. We're not through with this series. We've got a ways to go, 
But I want to thank you for spending this time with us. And I pray that the rest of your week be amazing, be outstanding in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm.